Hi beautiful people, welcome to Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I am your host. It's lovely being able to spend a bit of time with you and in today's episode we're continuing to explore the Beatitudes, the opening pronouncements of Jesus uh, called the Sermon on the Mount and he's pronouncing this is how the kingdom works and at times it seems to be in contrast to the way that we think the world works and today the blessed is blessed are the peacemakers that's what we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be a peacemaker in a world full of conflict a world where you know you you invade another nation you claim and you take back uh, the biggest wins the bully wins the one with the sharpest tongue wins the one that can argue the loudest wins jesus speaks into this place and he talks about peacemaking the people of the kingdom are people who are peacemakers so that's what we're going to be exploring in today's episode this is number six as we've been walking through the sermon on the mount next week's episode i'm going to just take a slight pause from jumping to the next one and we're going to have a week i'm going to interview someone and what does it mean to be people of peace what does it mean to be able to agree or disagree well so next week's going to be an interview as we unpack this just a little bit more so i'm going to take the peace making episode and we're just going to spread it over two episodes really and we're going to explore that that topic together just a little bit more unpacking it in the you know kind of practicalities of being a peacemaker and how we can agree to disagree in times when we we need to so that's what we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks peacemaking friends if you've not subscribed to this podcast i would absolutely love you to do so so many of you listen without subscribing so you're not following the podcast so every week you're not getting it kind of pinged to your phone i'd love you to subscribe i'd love you to comment anywhere you can comment you can comment on my facebook you can comment on my instagram twitter uh, on the episode itself on whatever app that you're using if you've not reviewed this podcast particularly if you're an apple user if you would mind just doing a review of the uh, podcast that'd be brilliant because it just helps other people the algorithm helps other people find these episodes as well we would love people to find them so here we go let's jump in as we talk today about what it means to be a peacemaker So the blessed, the beatitude is this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God or sons and daughters of God. You know, people who behave in a peaceful and peace-creating way, they're the ones who are like children of God because children do what their parents do. Children learn the rules of the family you know in the family families have rules this is how we behave you know i remember growing up you know my mum would say you know as a rogers this is how we expect you to behave when you go around to your friend's house there's codes of practice in a family and in the god family there's a code of practice about how we behave towards other people and the fruit of that is being somebody who's a peacemaker so if you are a peacemaker then you are revealing that you are actually a part of God's family you're a child of God you're behaving like the father behaves 
So let's just talk a little bit about the world around us. Uh, the world behaves very clearly in a us and them mentality. Us and them. Uh, you're either with me or you're against me. But as we find it very easy to demonize people. Often we create an us and them world uh, where we are the angel and they're the demons. And we demonize people, you know, because I'm right, you're wrong. Therefore, you are the devil and I'm an angel incarnate. So we back it up with things like, uh, uh, I know I could be wrong, but, uh, but still allow ourselves to be the right ones. When we say, I, I, I might be wrong, but, just by using the word but we're we're basically saying but i'm still i still think i'm right uh we frustrate ourselves we wind ourselves up by talking about them behind their backs to make ourselves feel better we say things which everyone knows to be untrue but somehow it justifies our actions so we live in this world where there's two sides. There's us and there's them. There's the for and there's the against. And you are either for me or you are against me. And people say things all the time like this, you know, uh, why have you sided with them? You've gone to them. I thought you were on my side. Um, can you not see it my way? And all of that language, all of it, is creating an us and them, for and against. Uh, you're either on my side, you're on their side. There's a beautiful little bit in Joshua. Joshua chapter 5, 13 through 15. Joshua's at war, and this angel appears, this giant angel appears in front of Joshua. And Joshua asks the angel, are you for us or are you against us? Because this is what we do, isn't it? You're on my side, you're on their side. Because depending on which way you answer will depend on how I respond to you right now. Are you for me? Are you against me? Are you an angel with me? Are you a demon against me? You know, which is it? Uh, you know, it's like we can't cope with anything else but us and them kind of language. And the angel responds to Joshua, neither. He's from the Lord's army. Neither. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on the Lord's side. In other words, he reveals that there are three sides. There's the them, there's the us, and there's the Lord. Three ways. There's another alternative to the way that we have often responded to the world, rather than this us and them. And friends, some people, they just struggle to switch off. Like when they're in an argument with people, they just struggle to switch off. They go to bed, they mull over it, they can't switch off. They keep going over the same events over and over and over. And they start to create events that didn't even exist. I don't know if you've come across this or if you do that yourself. But, you know, I, I come across people all the time. They, they're mulling on something that has happened. And they've mulled on it so much, the event is no longer the event that once happened. It's now completely different. And I'm thinking, that isn't what happened. Like, you've just, you've took, like, the root of where that started. And it's now become something so different in your mind. You've really lost the plot. I can't believe you've got there. How have you got there? That isn't what happened. I, I saw something recently. Uh, a couple of people were falling out. And they were, well, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. There was dozens of them. And they weren't listening to each other. They were they were arguing between each other without listening to what the other one was saying. Um, and it was, it was just kind of escalating. I'm sat a couple of days later, I'm talking it through with one of them. They're telling me about what happened in this argument. 
I'm thinking, I was sat there, I saw the whole thing. And they're telling me about the argument, what happens. And I'm, I'm going, actually, that isn't what happened right now. I, I sat there, I I watched how it played out. And I don't know how you've got to where you've got to, but that is not the event that I saw. Uh, and they'd, they'd changed it in, in mulling over it for two days and brewing on it. It becomes something different. I was like, that, that isn't what was said that isn't what happened at all you've you've lost the narrative the true narrative of that event don't we do that we do that all the time and it's into this us and them you're for me you're against me um it's into this world of of fighting and arguing jesus speaks into this and he pronounces the way of the kingdom the way of the kingdom is this you are in the hands of God when you are a peacemaker. A peacemaker is somebody that takes the raw building blocks of what is there and from what is there builds and creates peace. It's a peace creator. It's too easy to be a, an arguer. It's too easy to fight your corner, to speak louder to debate, to challenge, to argue um, for, for your own ego. And Jesus says, now are children of God. Now they are the ones who are able to make peace, create peace. Peace creators, peace makers, a disciple of someone who can no longer live in a divided world where they're right and they're the problem people. Because, friends, God has met us in our broken, confused, and messed up lives. God has met us in our own problem. And now we're able to see the world for what it is. See, friends, the world says when somebody steps out of line, we step in and we punish them. But a disciple of Jesus says that when people step out of line, maybe we're the ones who need to make the first move of reconciliation. Because that is how God behaves towards us. Romans says that Christ saw us in our sinfulness when we were far off. And we were far away. And in that far awayness, he sees us and comes towards us. Jesus doesn't wait until we come towards him. He comes towards us. The world waits till we've stepped out of line and then we're going to punish them. But a disciple is somebody who steps, sees somebody stepping out of line. And they are the ones who make the first move of reconciliation because that is how God works. God makes the first move. Friends, because of Jesus, um, we become less cynical less judgmental less arrogant of ourselves because we have seen how god has met us in our wrongness and has set us free so we're now setting others free because we have found a new love often we see this as weakness the world sees peacemaking as a weakness but it's actually the opposite it is a strength you hold the power to set somebody else free by being a peacemaker see friends peacemakers are aware that there will always be some rightness in their wrongness and some wrongness in their rightness come on preach it let's say that again peacemakers are aware 
that there will always be some rightness in their wrongness and some wrongness in their rightness. A peacemaker knows I'm never fully right. There's bits that I might be right in. There's bits I'm going to be wrong in. And therefore, let's make peace because we're all messed up. Friends, you could say, why let the wrong they did determine your joy? Why let the wrong that they did determine your joy? Sat in the car with a friend recently. He was just getting so angry by the way that other people were driving. And the way that others were driving were affecting his joy. His temperature was going up through the roof. He was getting more and more angry. Like, mate, chill. Like, you're, you're allowing their wrongness to determine your peacefulness. You've lost joy now because of them. And they don't care that, that you've lost your joy. They're not interested. You could say to not forgive is to let someone else rent space in your head. To not forgive is to let someone else live rent-free in your head. When we forgive somebody, we let them go out of our brains. They're gone. We've set them free. But when we don't forgive, they're living rent-free in our head. Each day they're in our minds, in our minds, in our minds. When we're, when we bring on unforgiveness, that person is sat living rent-free in our minds. And forgiveness and peacemaking sets them free from our mind. They can live their life they want, but they're not going to determine my joy. could say it like this. To forgive somebody is to set someone free and then find out it was actually you. I don't know if you've experienced that. There are times when I've forgiven somebody else. I've created peace. And by doing so, I thought I was being clever and that I was actually setting them free. And I've realized I was actually setting myself free. I wonder if you have ever experienced that. Let's just look at a couple of passages then on this where Jesus takes this beatitude and really presses into it. So Matthew 5:43 on the Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So he's back to this idea that if you want to be a child of God, this is how to behave, because this is actually the way that the Father works. So you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, the Father God has created people. He loves all of them. And he's graceful to all of them, evil the, even the evil ones and the good ones. He's the, he's the same. It all gets the same amount of sunshine. Everybody gets the same amount of rain because that's how the, the way the Father works. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Even the evil people, you know, find it easy to love those that are lovable. But if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your father is perfect. So love those um, who persecute you. Love those who do evil to you. And Jesus says, pray for them. 
pray for them. When we pray, we start to see them the way that God sees us. Prayer changes us as we pray for others. It's shaping us as well as we intercede for the person we're struggling with. It's changing us. Uh, Friends, when we pray, it's to wish God's best upon somebody. You can't pray to God, God curse them. You know, Jesus knows what he's doing. Like if you are struggling with somebody, pray for them. Because Jesus knows you can't pray, God curse them, damn them. Because you just know that's not going to be how God works. The way to pray for somebody is to say, God, would you bless them? Be at work in their life. Reveal to them what needs revealing. Pray for them so that they may come to know who God is for them and what they need. And friends, in that we will be changed ourselves. Friends, some of us often find ourselves in difficult situations, difficult situations in the workplace, in the family, friends and family, uh, in our neighborhoods, issues that arise in our neighborhoods. And uh, there is always a way of making peace, this third way. As Joshua said to the angel, you're my side or their side, the angel says neither. I'm on the Lord's side. There's always a third way third way is the lord's side so imagine this a couple getting divorced the world says it's us and them take them to court get as much as you can out of them well a disciple is different disciple is aware that there are two sides to the argument both parties are broken both parties need love and that there is a third way a common ground that can be brought to now, that common ground can only be brought, you know, to, to be emerged really when both parties want to find a common ground, yes. But in a situation that's complex and difficult, there's always a Jesus third way. Now, a couple of years ago, no, I'm showing me age now, quite a few years ago, there was a, a gunman that walked into a Amish village, went to the school and killed all the children in the Amish school. And this moment just spoke about what it means to be people who are peacemakers. The Amish community were well in their rights in America to pick up a gun to go back and retaliate. This Amish community that had lost their children had the right to fight, to stand up for themselves. But their response was actually so kingdom profound. It got recognized by the media, journalists, writers. And there's a writer called Diane Butler Bass. She's an independent scholar, independent writer and journalist. And she writes about the Amish community and how they behaved post this atrocity. And it just really struck me as we talk about peacemaking, being people who create peace being the solution to the problem when somebody else has made a war they've made a fight they've brought evil into the the peacemakers are ones who bring something different and this is what the Amish did I want to just read this to you from uh, an article that she wrote the Amish actions not only witnessed that they were children of God and that God is a God of forgiveness but they actively created the conditions in which forgiveness could happen. 
In the most straightforward way, they embarked on imitating Christ. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. In acting as Christ, they did not speculate on forgiveness. They forgave. And forgiveness is, as Christianity teaches, the prerequisite to peace. We forgive because God forgives us. And in forgiving, we participate in God's dream of reconciliation and shalom. Then an odd thought occurred to me. What if the Amish were in charge of war on terror? What if on the evening of September the 12th, 2001, we had gone to Osama bin Laden's house, metaphorically of course, because we don't know where he lived, and offered him forgiveness? What if we had invited the families of the hijackers to the funerals of the victims of 9-11? What if a portion of the September 11th fund had been dedicated to relieving poverty in a Muslim community? What if we uh, dignified the burial of their dead by our respectful grief? Really interesting because the Amish had had this guy come in and he killed... Uh, all the school children and the family ended up going to the family of the young man that had done this atrocity and they sat with his parents they forgave and they um, shared in his, their grief because he'd killed himself in, in all of this and they sat with them and they ministered to and forgave and this writer recognizing you know America how did America respond how did the world respond to September the 11th now this is such a delicate topic but what's interesting is the writer says you know what would have been different if the army had been the ones who were dealing with this terror how would have they gone about dismantling this us versus them scenario and they'd come up with a Jesus third way a peacemaking third way how would it have been different how would it have been different and certainly peacemaking takes creativity. It takes uh, a, a some level of maturity to be able to handle what's going on and come up with a prophetic new way of responding. I find it really, really interesting. What would have happened if the Amish were in charge of the war on terror? How would the events post-September 11th been different if the Amish had actually been in control of that? How would they have done it differently? So back to peacemakers. Friends, peacemakers focus on the word make. They look for the other option, another way. I love talking about this other way. as Jesus' third way. The world says it's fight or flight. The world says there's a problem. Either you clutch your fist, you fight, or run away. Just get out of there hide from it and Jesus says, no 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 there is a creative third way a creative third way and this third way is by being a maker and creator of peace they these peacemakers they look for an option another way see friends the old ways of burning bridges shutting the doors hatching down securing ourselves in is gone and Jesus announces that in his kingdom, the way of the kingdom, 
The blessed ones are the ones who look for the third way, the alternative creative option that brings about peace. Blessed are those who find a way of peace and make it happen. They make it happen. Friends, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God. God was the one who made a way for peace. He made it happen. He fought for it himself. And as a child of that father, we are called to do the same. Blessed are the peace creators, the peacemakers, the ones who take the fragile pieces of a disagreement and a war and they find an alternative option. That is what it means to be a peacemaker. Uh, I suppose we've got to end by asking a few questions, don't we? Uh, let's ask these questions. Uh, where have you in the past been somebody who's made peace, who's found an alternative creative way through, a, a different way of dealing with a situation? Have you ever done that? Are there places where you should have and you didn't? Why? What was it that stopped you? Was it fear, worry, anxiety, lack of creativity? What was it? But let's just look forwards then and say, do you know what? This is something we need to be living and breathing. We live in a world of conflict. You look at somebody funnily or they think you've looked at them funnily and they turn on you. They demonize you. How can you become somebody who has a prophetic imagination, a way of coming up with a third alternative way of revealing and, uh, and transforming a situation? I would argue, friends, the only way of doing that is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's got to be, because it's so difficult. And that creative imagination can only come from an encounter with him. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, the spirit of peace that hovered over Jesus at his baptism, that came in the form of that dove, that pigeon, that holy pigeon, the same spirit that transformed Jesus from death to life, would that same spirit, would he be at work in us, transforming us from having a worldview where there's us versus them, there's fight versus flight, to a creative third option where there's a new way a magnificent kingdom way of navigating that conflict lord would the spirit do that to our minds and our hearts transforming and shaping us to a new creative third option and we pray that in the powerful name of jesus and all the saints said amen friends until next time grace and peace now next week is a interview which I hope you will find really inspiring as we talk about, is it possible to uh, reconcile with people that we don't necessarily agree with? How do we live in harmony with one another, even though we don't see eye to eye? So that's next week. So catch up with you soon.